Whether you are a single parent or married, there are so many important principles you want to pour into your child about valuing their heart, how to handle romantic love, dating, the meaning of marriage, all important topics that we parents rarely feel we have the time or know-how to tackle. And so it is that I have developed an ongoing occasional series on the Practically Speaking Mom podcast that is specifically designed to get you thinking more about the topic of guiding your child's heart through relationships so that you can be formulating your principles and philosophies in this area of life right now, even if your kids are young. The clearer our philosophy and principles about our child's heart relationships, the better equipped and ready we will be for the intentional moments of instilling wisdom in them regarding these complex topics. And so it's time for another heart to heart about your child's heart in another episode from the ongoing occasional series, Guiding Your Child's Heart. It was kind of funny this morning. Abby and I had spent quite a while going through her clothes, figuring out what to take to college, what to get rid of, what to keep at home. That long process included figuring out what kind of hangers she needed to take. And would you believe that right after we were done, I saw someone had sent an article about prepping for college with our kids. It literally talked about figuring out what hangers you're taking. The article was written to the soon-to-be college freshman, and it was designed to tell the student what their mom was really thinking as they do college shopping together. When you're both figuring out hangers, this is what the article said, mom is thinking, will she have time to do laundry? Does she need quarters for the machine? Uh, We can't forget detergent, and I need to talk to her about dorm laundry rooms and how people will just move your wet clothes anywhere if the person needs the washer that your clothes are in. So many things we moms think about, don't we? All through their lifetime, whatever little segment of life you're at, there's all these many things to think about. My daughter, Becca, she's been taking care of her infant who has RSV. So her concerns have been detox baths and oxygen levels, and that's hard. You know, with my youngest this week, a soon-to-be 13-year-old, my thoughts are on the realization that she has only one more year before she's entering high school. And that feels like only one more year of childhood left. And then the transition begins, the four-year transition to what our society considers adulthood. There's so much more I still want to do with her in the childhood years. So time, slow down, noise, quiet down, stress and obligations, keep your distance. I got a child to raise and a heart to impact. These are the things that I'm feeling with her. So whether I'm thinking about my five grown kids or my one that is about ready to leave, in fact, if you're listening and want to pray for her, we move her to college on August 12th. If you're listening before or on August 12th, you could be praying for her and praying for me too. And praying for Emma, who is going to be the last child at home. And it is going to be so hard in a lot of ways. And I know that hard means good growth, and it means new beginnings, and it means becoming a different person than you were before the hard. There's so much positive and good that comes with hard, but hard is still hard. So I would also appreciate prayers for her and appreciate prayers for us as we learn how to parent only one. If you are the parent of only one, I would love to know 
all of your secrets. So you send them to me, won't you? You can list them on our Facebook group, Intentional Mom Strong Family. I will try to make a post that you guys can comment on if you have been either the parent of only one or if you have been down to only one and you know all the uniqueness that comes with that. So do share. But anyway, Today, I am introducing you to one of the most important concerns that we face as intentional moms. I'm calling the next few weeks, helping our kids to interpret the messages of the world about hearts and bodies, treasuring and protecting and developing a healthy self-worth. Here's the situation. When my kids are around seventh or eighth grade, I like to start having them read some books about relationships, romance, and our hearts. I want them to learn how to do singleness well before entering a relationship. I want them to have a healthy perspective about themselves before they let someone else play a main role in telling them about their value. I want them to be prepared for the world's messages and not be easily fooled or easily swayed in decisions about their heart. The approach I have taken for this is to have several books for my younger teens to read and we discuss. Now, I tell them up front that I don't agree with everything in every one of these books because they're all written by people, not written by God or creator. So all of the books are incomplete or maybe even off base some. But as we read a book, as this young teen reads a book, and then we discuss the topics in it, what it does is it opens up a whole nother aspect of life that they hadn't thought through yet. It gives them an opportunity to think through these things before they're in the middle of the situations. So that's my primary goal with that, is to open their minds to being prayerful, about their perspectives, and to develop principles that have been thought through before they're in the middle of a relationship that could be tugging at their heart and impacting their ability to make good decisions on these things. So in the middle of relationships, our hearts may cloud our judgment. A heart that is enjoying the attention of someone and the the thought of a relationship with them sounds so dreamy that we may not be at the optimal emotional state for making decisions about standards, about actions, about thoughts, about selecting someone worthy of our heart. That's why I think it is so beneficial to have my young teens read books and discuss them with me prior to romantic relationships. Now, I will admit full on here that I did this much better with my girls than with my boys. Well, Rich and I are both regrettable about this because I think that I saw, you know, Rich was going to do this with them and he was so busy. So we'd give the boys the books and well, not all the boys and not all the time, but for the most part, they didn't read as many of the books as the girls did. So we ended up having fewer conversations with them and we both really regret that. And if we had it to do over again, we would make it a point to make it happen, whether the discussions came from me or from Rich. So by the time we had our third son, 
we had recognized that we were doing that. And so I did increase the discussions that I had with him. And I'm so thankful for that because what it did was that it created a relationship in which he knows he can come to me. He knows he can come to Rich too. And he does. He, he definitely, you know, Rich would be his first choice in different topics, but he, he does come to me too when dad's not available or, you know, whatever the circumstances are. So, I just wanted to share with you real quick some of those regrets in case it might impact some of your own decision making in that. So our daughter, Abby, who is headed off to college, she read about 15 books and then she picked her top three that impacted her the most. And the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at those three books. I will share with you books that I recommend for younger years, because here's the thing, moms, you really want to know where you stand on different aspects of romance and dating and and relationships in your child's heart before they're anywhere near the age where this stuff comes up. You want to be instilling within them principles and standards and a right perception of themselves before they get in these situations. And that starts at a very young age. So mamas, you might be wanting to read these books now, even though your kids are a little bitty, so that you can allow it to shape the way you talk about things. For example, maybe you you would stop kidding them about looking all cute for a boy, or maybe it would stop you from teasing them about having a boyfriend or a girlfriend or something like that. No matter the age of your kids right now, mamas, This is topics you want to be thinking about. In the coming three weeks, I do hope that this will be information that will spur a lot of thought for you. You're not going to agree with my perspective, or you're not going to agree with Abby's perspective. We're all different, and that's great. But at least these conversations will kind of give you a checklist of things you want to be thinking about and figuring out your game plan. Now, I want to share a couple of stories from my childhood with you. So I was seven years old in June of 1980 when country music star Johnny Lee came out with the song Looking for Love. It propelled him to fame by reaching number one on the Billboard Hot Country Singles chart. It was also number five on the Billboard Hot 100 pop chart that year. Now, my family didn't listen to secular music at home, but I lived in small town Iowa, the deep heart of country life right there. And I couldn't escape country music lyrics at that time, no matter how much I wanted to. That song continued to be played all the time, everywhere for the next few years. I would ride my bike to the park and I would hear looking for love in all the wrong places. It was playing from some guy's car radio while his head was under the hood trying to fix something in the engine. I would be talking on the phone that was attached to the to the kitchen wall. I know a concept many of you never had to live through, but the kitchen wall is where everybody kept a phone. And so I would lay on the floor with my feet propped up on the on the wall talking for hours with my friends. So I might be on that phone, you know, laying on the floor like that while my friend on the other end of the line would say, hey, listen to this song. And I would hear searching for love in too many faces, searching their eyes, looking for traces of what I'm (laughs) dreaming of. I can't sing. I'm sorry. You have to listen to my singing. I could wait at the bus stop 
where two best buddies named Mike and Mike would bring their giant boombox and it would be playing Johnny Lee's song. Well, mostly Mike and Mike played Michael Jackson songs, but every once in a while, country music would slide out of that big metal box and all of us kids at the bus stop were forced to listen to whatever it was. And so more of that words were good time lovers were never true, playing a fool's game, hoping to win and telling those sweet lies and losing again. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. A song reaches number one because people can identify with the lyrics. Oh, sure, the catchy tune makes a huge difference in its success, but the lyrics connect us because of similar circumstances in our hearts. This song was number one because people could relate. People knew they were looking for love in all the wrong places and faces, and they were finding emptiness. Yet how many of them, upon hearing this song, did they say, oh yes, that's me, I do that too? How many of them then went on to say to themselves, you know, I will stop this unproductive and harmful behavior. It isn't working, and it's hurting me, and it's hurting others. Well, (laughs) I don't think very many had that second response to it. I don't think very many of them were changed by the twangy echoes of truth in the lyrics. Rather, they kept looking for love in all the wrong places. Why? Because they kept longing and they didn't know what to do with the longing. Their hearts were longing for love, true love, faithful love, fulfilling love. The longing was so strong that they kept looking and kept being hurt and kept hurting others and kept looking anyway. These people that identified with those lyrics, they needed to know where the source of fulfillment for the longings of their heart lie. And it is not in another person. It is in knowing who we are based on who created us and the value that was placed upon us, the same value that everyone has. And they needed to know that when we try to fulfill our longings through another person, the other person is always going to disappoint because that's not really what our hearts were designed to fulfill the longings. There is appropriateness for those relationships, and those relationships, when healthy, can make a very big, wonderful difference in our lives, but it comes after the longings of our hearts are answered. It comes after we are at a healthy place. So it is equipping our kids to be healthy that we need to do first, help them see the importance of that. You know, Even though my parents at that time didn't encourage boyfriend or girlfriend relationships at young ages, they didn't discourage those kind of relationships either. I thought about romance and having a boyfriend all the time, and I really think it was to a large degree because of all this music around me all the time. And it wasn't because my parents weren't loving. They were very good at showing they treasured my brother and I. They were good at including 
They were good at some aspects of protecting, but they did not teach me how to guard my heart. I needed someone to warn me about the loud messages of the world. One of the world's messages was, females, don't ever behave like you need that man of yours to be kind or gentle or tender or helpful or chivalrous to you. You don't ever need those things from him, okay? But you can belittle him, manipulate him, do tell him off, do break his heart, do squash his spirit. Those were the kind of messages that I saw on TV all the time and heard in songs and through all different kinds of sources. This skewed perspective of how to treat one another, how to treat ourselves. Another one of the world's messages was that a knight in shining armor is going to come along and sweep me off of my feet, and we will look gazingly into one another's eyes, and it will change my life forever. Angels will sing in the background, along with fireworks going off, and my smile will have a glistening twinkle, and suddenly my life will feel complete, and I will feel fulfilled, and I will blissfully fulfill the night's longings as well, every longing that he has, and he will fulfill all of my longings. That's the storyline that is played over and over again in princess movies that says that romantic love is where fulfillment lies, where longings and needs for significance are finally quenched. Now a quick word alert, moms. In the next few sentences, there will be a few words that come up. No descriptive language, just words that you may or may not want to explain to your children. Now, back to another one of the world's messages that we were talking about. How about this one that I've been hearing a lot lately? It goes something like this. We don't want our daughters to feel shame about their bodies. We want them to be sex positive. So we should applaud them for having enough self-confidence to wear a bikini. And I don't want to give them limits about relationships or that won't be sex positive either. That's the message that is heard all around me. The truth is, when I cover special parts of my body, it's not because I have shame about them, it's because I recognize their value. And the truth is that protecting sex is not sex negative, it is recognizing our value and the sacredness of sex. This world and its messages, good grief, our kids need interpreters in their life, who will face the messages with them and will discuss any of those messages with them, creating a trusted place for information and truth. That's what we want to do for our kids. Be an interpreter. As a girl and teen, I needed someone to point out these messages from the world, to make me blatantly aware of them, to tell me the holes in the concepts I was hearing, and someone to equip me with truth and to teach me how to guard my heart, I needed to learn how to protect myself from the lies and from the relationships that would follow, how to, you know, filter the information that comes and reject the things that are not true. Now, please know, I am not blaming my parents for this. All parents miss important messages, and my parents got a lot of messages right, But I am saying that I needed an interpreter who would interpret the world's messages by number one, telling me how false 
those messages were and why they were false and what kind of results can come when we live by those false beliefs. And two, I needed someone to tell me what the truth was and how to guard my heart. How do I do this? I didn't have an interpreter interpreting the messages of the world. So I was just taking the messages in as they were. So it's almost like I was letting the world interpret the messages of the world. And that meant it was interpreting the issues of my heart, but it was giving me very harmful interpretations that were contradictory to God's design for me, that were contradictory to where true self-worth comes, to a healthy identity and my value and the role that romance should play in my life, the role of dating in my life, the role of marriage in my life. The world had warped messages, and I was believing far too many of them. But my parents had no way of knowing that because I was a quiet kid who kept my thoughts inside. So if my parents were waiting for me to bring up issues before we would talk about those issues, well, that day never came because I never did talk about them. I will say there were lots of positive messages about these issues in my life as well. My parents valued marriage as sacred, as did one set of grandparents and another grandmother. One of my grandfathers did not value marriage as sacred. Unfortunately, his choices became a part of the legacy of our family. However, I did see the pain that his choices brought to my grandmother and to our family. That was speaking messages very loudly to me also. One of the biggest positive influences in my life growing up regarding guarding my heart and where my true value lied was listening to a Christian radio station that had lots of great talk shows on it. Those shows shaped my worldview tremendously for the better. Family Life Today, Chuck Swindoll, Adventures in Odyssey, Johnny Erickson Tata, Focus on the Family, Phyllis Schlafly, just to name a few of the daily visitors in my home through our radio. My mom worked nights, so she was often sleeping when I was home alone, and all of those wholesome visitors kept me company and shaped my perspective when mama was sleeping. Now, don't underestimate the power of the messages of the visitors in your home. You see, there were other visitors as well that came in through the TV screen, and their messages were much less healthy. So my parents were very wise in keeping the Christian radio station on and not allowing other stations. And they were also wise in limiting our TV time. We just didn't watch it a lot. But if they weren't home, they didn't tell me don't watch TV. So I watched plenty at those times. And some of the messages were, females, use your body and your feminine wiles to manipulate men. Girls, gain your self-worth by being someone's girlfriend. Here's another message I heard. When you don't get what you want, be dramatic, storm off, and the drama you create will probably result in you getting what you want. (laughs) I can remember once watching Little House on the Prairie and Laura had gotten upset about something. She yelled at her father and she ran off to cry all dramatically. He then came after her and he told her, okay, okay, I'll change my mind and and do what you want. So I gave that dramatic scene a try at my house. We were loading the moving van to move eight hours away from Oklahoma to Iowa. 
We couldn't find the cat anywhere. It was a stray that we had been feeding outside the last few weeks, and I had become so fond of that cat. But it was time for us to leave, and I was so distraught to move without the cat. So I thought I'd give Laura Ingalls' approach a try. (laughs) I yelled at my dad, if the cat isn't moving, then neither am I. And I ran around the side of the house to cry with my arms folded, just like she had done. I stayed and I cried for a while and my dad never came around the corner. I kept waiting for him to come, but he was busy with the mountains of details that a parent has to think about when they're moving their family across the country. I remember thinking, good grief, I guess drama doesn't work for getting what I want. All it did was escalate the situation. It wasn't a good idea for me to take TV life and apply it to real life, even if it was a more innocent show like Little House. And I am not suggesting that you never let your kids watch TV. Personally, I still adore Little House. And on any super cold winter day, when it is snowing outside, for some reason, I think that means we need to pull out a Little House DVD and spend some time with Laura and Mary and Ma and Pop. So I'm not begrudging Little House at all. I'm just reminding you that the world's messages, are they coming in your home like guests? What kind of filtering are we doing with that? And what about when our kids are out and we can't filter everything all the time, right? So some of those messages, and probably a lot of messages, are reaching their ears and they're down into their hearts. Intentional parents must limit the messages must be aware of the messages, must discuss the messages, and above all, be a main interpreter between the world's messages and your child's heart. Teach them to guard their heart and mind from the world's warped views. Equip them with what to do instead. That's what the next few weeks are going to be. As Abby and I discuss these different books and the different topics that come up in them, I mean, it's a pretty lively discussion. It's pretty fast paced. And, you know, we're not afraid to just deal with any of it. Now, perhaps while you wait for next week, you would like to listen to some of the former episodes on the theme of equipping our kids to guard their hearts. I will put in the show notes links to some of those different episodes, including an episode series that I did with my younger daughter, Emma, in the spring of 2022. We covered this type of topic, but for a younger age group. I've also done some with my two oldest daughters, so you can find some of those episodes in the show notes as well. I am looking forward to joining you guys next week as we begin this series with Abby and I in this series of mother-daughter discussions. My intentional mom friend, it's an honor to meet with you every week to help equip and encourage you in your worthy journey of being mama to your masterpiece. If this podcast is a blessing to you, won't you please take the time to share it with moms that you know? And then head over to practicallyspeakingmom.com to subscribe to my weekly email containing a blog post and podcast. Join me on Instagram at Practically Speaking Mom and in the private Facebook group, Intentional Mom Strong Family. See you next week. Mm-hmm.